0: All right, hope you got your inappropriate things ready.
1: Oh, so inappropriate. You're going to love it. I'm bored. Long time ago. Basement, far, far away. Raman decided to monetize this podcast and charge a sixty-five dollars CPM. Dude, what the hell? <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it's you, that's our continuing fantasy, right? Making money off this thing. Oh wait, wait, wait. It says it says continuing. It says continuing fables. We're supposed to be continuing fables this week. That's my bad.
0: What would Auntie Pinky say?
1: <laughs> She'd say, "Why? Auntie- why sixty-five dollars CPM? What do you think you are, Netflix?" she she'd be like
0: you're not being paid for this i am so disappointed (laughs) i'm Roman segal i'm ryan joe and we are two dudes who have not monetized this podcast but we have read just about every decent comic book out there so we had to start reading comics about fairy tales with sex and violence mostly violence
1: but that's pretty much every fairy tale isn't it
0: this week in line with holiday traditions and regulations, we bring you part 2 of our two-part series on Fables, the multi-Eisner award-winning series written by Bill Willingham and illustrated by Mark Buckingham.
1: Fables tells the tale of fairy tales come to life in our modern, mundane world in exile from their homeland, homelands, run out by an unknown adversary. Who could that be? Who could that in be? In our a puppet in master. Our... <laughs>
0: In our previous episode, we covered Fables Volume 1 through 6, which set the stage introducing our cast of characters from Bigby Wolf, Snow White, Boy Blue, Prince Charming, Flycatcher, Pinocchio, and many more, who are all living in New York City's Upper West Side, just down the street from a podcast host, you know. And if you don't want to be spoiled about Fables, you should stop right now and go pick up the book or listen to last week's episode.
1: But we know you want to be spoiled, because if you don't want to be spoiled, you wouldn't be able to listen to this podcast, and your life would be so much emptier. Fair warning, we are going to spoil the shit out of Fables. So, we didn't do it last week, we're going to do it this week. Thank you, Ryan. Well, that's what I'm here for. So... In the first part of volumes
0: one through six with artful world building, we learned of the stakes and plot at hand in fables. And we discovered the mysterious adversary is a seemingly well meaning and innocent father figure who is none other than
1: Jesus. No. Your dad. No.
0: He is an architect, though. <laughs> Mufasa. <laughs> oh, no,
1: come on, man. Come Elon on. Musk. Elon Musk. Too soon. Too soon. Okay. It is Geppetto. Yes. The motherfucking adversary is Geppetto, Pinocchio's dad. Which I think is pretty fucking brilliant. Wouldn't you say so, Ryan? It took me by surprise the first time. Geppetto's such an elderly, non-physical dude. So for him to be the guy who's responsible for genocide, it's a bit of a shock.
0: I think what what's really great about Fables, and they in the final volume, they kind of reveal how Geppetto, why Geppetto, how did this happen? And he still is this... One thing I really like is as they kind of go in the march towards war, now that it's revealed that it's Geppetto, and you kind of see the, the forces marshalling on both sides for this confrontation, most of the people in the empire of the adversary don't know that Geppetto is the emperor, so to speak. In fact, anytime they see him, they're like, what's the deal with this old dude who's hanging out here all the time talking to people? Uh, So I thought that was it's it's still kind of a massive state secret. In fact, I think more people on the fable side know that Geppetto is the adversary than the actual than the actual emperor people.
1: Yeah, I actually really like how he's sort of like the lead. You know, if you were to kind of think about all of the fairy tales, who is the person who all of the fables, who is the person who's least likely to be the adversary? He's probably the one I said last 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 episode that, that the original adversary was supposed to be Peter Pan. He's stealing all the kids. And it'd be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. But I do think Geppetto is a much more interesting villain just because he it's a study in the in how kind of power ultimately corrupts him. You know, he basically, though, you know, and this is actually from the last week's episodes, but you know, he, he basically creates puppets he, to, in order to supplant governors who are corrupt and in so doing he keeps do he keeps doing it and doing it and doing it until he himself is cor- completely corrupted by the by the process and and completely by the power corrupted. by the power by the power yeah. yeah exactly and you know there's even a moment in the the good prince episode where the frog prince who is just kind of like this gentle character you know he kind of sees an alternate version of himself where he could kind of be corrupted by the power i mean it's very lord of the rings right you know they you know all of the the One Ring, no one can control it, but it's it's effective here, and I think it's effective because you're seeing it impacting characters that we have a relationship with, because we read about them when you know when we're when we're kids. These are these are the people who populated the fairy tales and fables that we read as children, and now we're seeing them corrupted. I'm just thinking about Geppetto. I'm thinking about Hansel as well. He's another character who kind of comes up traditionally yeah, he's he's him. a fucking psychopath <laughs> and he's kind of yeah and i actually really like fables the most when they take a character from a familiar fairy tale a familiar character and turn that character on his head on the head and and, and, and then kind of revealing why that's to me when fables is actually the most fun well and it's it it kind of Takes it
0: to a further conclusion. Like, what if we kind of played out the beats of this person's narrative beyond the fairy tale? Where would they go? Where could they go? You know, as mentioned, the entire run of Fables is 20 volumes. This is only through like volume 11, but I finished reading these much sooner. And I I've actually continued reading. I'm somewhere on like volume 15, 16 in my reread of the entire series. And they, they continue to do that with other characters. So like one of the characters is they have like all the witches from all of the, all the fairy tales who are on the fables side and they're on the 13th floor. And one of them is frau Totenkinder, frau dead kids, you know, like literally the witch from Hansel and Gretel. And what's so interesting. And I won't spoil anything, but once the war with the adversary with Geppetto is concluded, they spend some time on these other characters to kind of face other things. And so it's interesting to go further or to go back with, you know, Frau Totenkinder or someone like that. So the the use of heroes become villains, innocents,
1: you know. And villains become evil. heroes in the case of yeah, Frau yeah. Totenkinder.
0: Exactly. So, and she already is a hero by the time you meet her. Big B Wolf, the big bad wolf. He's the, one of the main protagonists. And it's just, um, well, the, these twists are persistent and yeah. And
1: it doesn't become gimmicky. Can we talk about totenkinder Kinder? Because she's she was actually really interesting to me, especially her rationale for killing Hansel or trying to kill Hansel and Gretel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always kind of thought she so they're like, oh man, you try to murder those kids. She's like, well, her their parents murdered them. I was just gonna ensure that their deaths had some use for me. <laughs> uh, which I was like, okay, that I, I kind of see your 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 point of view there. She's not the one who actually sent the kids out into the woods. She was just, you know, they were going to die anyway, and she was just going to make sure that she could use their deaths to power her magic. But I also think that the way Buckingham handles Kinder is. Wait, who's the writer? Is it? Is
0: it no, Bill, Bill William.
1: Bill William. Mark Buckingham's a, the illustrator. My bad. Mm-hmm. Very British sounding names, but regardless. The way she ha- like the, the Some of the most creative plot twists happen because of Totenkinder. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. the. F- first volume that we read, volume seven, it has the Arabian fairy tale Sinbad and the djinn, the genie. And Totenkinder has to figure out a way to stop the genie. And she does so in a way that I think is pretty surprising. There's another incident later on where Totenkinder is able to kind of have an eye into Geppetto's world. And the way she does that also is... I think pretty creative. At the same time, it's all kind of within the the expectations, kind of of what she can do. The the way she uses magic, right? Uh, it feels kind of like very solidly within the set of rules. Like, and and even when she does her magic, there are limitations to what she can do. Like when she does, well, they
0: they actually treat magic like a currency. It's a currency, um, yeah. In yeah, the yeah. world, that they're like, you it's know, limited. It's limited. They, you know, yeah.
1: It's like power, right? It's like I, can only, I only have so much power to operate one set, of, to see one through one set through one camera at a time. And it mm-hmm. kind of takes a lot of energy out of me. And that's kind of the way they treat magic, which I, I actually really appreciate. There's finite amounts of it. It is a commodity that can be wasted and it costs money and you don't have infinite amounts of it, even though it can be very powerful at times
0: yeah and and that's that comes back to the theme we talked about last time. What makes fable so brilliant is the world building the rules that exist yeah. and it's it's not that the the spells cost money; it's just it's treated like a currency, a thing of value to run something they like, say call a glamour to make someone like the big bad wolf look like a human. That costs a lot and one of the concepts that I kept coming back to, you know we talk about how. A lot of these kind of very famous fables escaped in exile to the mundane world, and they all had to escape together, the good guys and the bad guys. And when they were all escaping this greater evil together from the adversary, when they signed something called the Fable Town Compact, they they issued something called General Amnesty. So the Big Bad Wolf, while he did kind of terrorize people, while Frog Totenkinder did kind of unspeakable acts, while Bluebeard, et cetera, et cetera, they talk a lot about General Amnesty. And this kind of spoils something, but... They win the war against Geppetto. And at the end of the war against Geppetto, Pinocchio, his son, who's been in Fable Town in exile all these years, he knows how to end the war, but he wants to save his dad. And because his point of view is the power corrupted my dad. We need to take him away from it. He's a good man. Very, you know, Luke Skywalker-esque, so to speak. And the kind of compromise to win the war at the end was to whisk Geppetto... Well, first, to kind of completely using modern warfare techniques, which is pretty fucking cool, completely ob- obliterate or cut off the Empire using modern technology. But they basically kidnap Geppetto and bring him to Earth, to the mon- mundane world, the Mundy world. And they basically have him sign the Fabletown Compact. They were like, you get amnesty for everything you did as the Emperor, but you're here now. You're just one of us. And I thought that was just like... The idea of amnesty... Not to be a peacenik, but it's, it's really interesting, you know, like you think about in South Africa, they kind of had truth and reconciliation and then kind of an amnesty with each other after, after the fact of apartheid. And it's just such an interesting concept, kind of scene brought to life against war crimes
1: it's still pretty fraught though right i mean you still have the situation where big b isn't allowed up into the up on the farm because he like killed all of the animals in this you know when he was a little bit younger so it's sort of like you're not punished for those crimes that you committed while you were a fable but at the same time there's still a lot of suspicion around you 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 don't you don't get you don't get to you don't get completely exonerated and people will bring up the shit you did in the past
0: well, and, and that's, you know, and what's really great about Fables, I'm not going to lie, it's, I don't want to say it loses its way, but the, the march to the war with the adversary was pretty fucking awesome. And so it's a, a tough act to follow.
1: But yeah, that's why I stopped volume, reading what, after that.
0: It, it's worth a read, though, because I'm, I'm really enjoying the continued read. It's very rewarding. Some parts more than others, like the Great Fables crossover, you can probably just skip. But the idea of, okay, well, now Geppetto has amnesty. How is society going to react to that? <laughs> like, you know, and even with all the crises that they face, Geppetto becomes an even more major figure in in fables. And, and I know we're not here to talk about those volumes, but I just, the level of quality and thought that goes into these characters, you know, what? this is a minor thing and it's worth saying. I don't think they started doing it till like the, the later volumes, but definitely the ones we read, is when you open a new volume, They kind of show you this grid of the cast of characters every time. And it's just so beautifully done. It's such a nice little infographic to understand not just who is everyone or the important people in the the volume you're about to read, but where are they today? And what Mm -hmm. do you need to know about what's going on right now? So it makes it relatively easy to kind of pick back up. On this and, and I in, thought that was a really nice element.
1: It's interesting when it starts out; it looks like the protagonists for a long time are going to be Snow White and Big B, but they actually take a back, a back seat. Really, they they're more supporting characters, as Boy Blue, Prince Charming, the Frog Prince start to take more emphasis in later. I don't, I don't know if that was planned or not, and I actually am kind of glad for that because Snow White actually. Isn't that interesting at this point? And actually, Big B, I know we were saying, oh, he's essentially Wolverine. But the problem with that is that he's we all... He's too awesome. Well, we've seen Wolverine. We know, the, yeah. we know the archetype. It's kind of done. And it's not, at this point, it's sort of like not as interesting as some of the other characters who are a little bit more conflicted. You know, it feels a little bit like a, a retread. And actually, I was even thinking... So, you know, so at the end of the last section that we read, Wolverine or Bigby goes out, goes on into exile because Snow White has to live on the farm because of her wolf children hybrids. And then, you know, she has those and then Bigby can't hang out on the farm. And so Bigby goes off to like Alaska and shacks, shacks up, up with this Native <laughs> American woman. Not is- unlike Wolverine. Yeah, exactly like Wolverine Origins, which I know, I think that movie came out afterwards. I I don't know, actually. But it's just sort of, like and then that woman, of course, is only there to kind of create some sort of conflict temporarily. You do realize
0: like, that movie was kind of based on comics. So Wolverine in the
1: oh, comics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolverine the in comics, the right. comics did that all, as well. But it was just like, you know, completely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> that being said, you know, Bigby does know, like the biggest advantage, does, does recognize the biggest advantage of being a father. You know what that is, Roman?
0: I feel like I'm supposed to know, and a fatherless man is about to tell me,
1: so oh. go. You can leave whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's exactly what Bigby does, and there ain't no consequences when he comes back. Snow White's a little bit pissed. She's a little bit pissed when she learns that he's been, like, screwing some woman <laughs> on the side. But you know what? It doesn't last that long. It lasts like a panel, and then they're married. So, like, that's you know, Big love B- wins. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's. Can we talk about how fucking
0: cool the war is? Because the war is fucking. <laughs> you awesome. don't want.
1: To, you don't want to talk about Bigby being okay. We'll, we'll move on from that. You know what? So there's. Let's talk about the war. Well, I mean, there's a couple of interesting gimmicks. So
0: the 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 cool thing about fables is it really it doesn't bend time, but every issue isn't a month. There there's whole passages where multiple years take place. So when they realize they need to go to war, they're like, well, we need to train our people. Let's let's go train everyone how to be a sniper. Let's learn how to use guns and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. They pull out different elements of their Fable superpowers and put them to really cool uses. It's kind of that like, man, if I had a superpower, what kind of things would I do? So two things specifically, or th- three things actually specifically that the Fable's use to their advantage with modern warfare technologies are one, Jack and the Beanstalk. They find Jack's beans, because Jack is an exiled fable, and they create beanstalks into the Cloud Kingdom. And what they discover, not unlike Mario Brothers, is the Cloud Kingdom, that they, they don't need portals to get from world to world. They, the clouds are above everything. So now they have air power. Well, how do they traverse the air power? Because they work with the fables from the Arabian fables. And they actually do reference, like, the different fables from around the world, Middle Eastern, Asian, Arabian. But now they have magic carpet technology. So they start to build ships with that. Now they yeah. have snipers. They can get into the Cloud Kingdom. The, the kind of other two really interesting innovations that they use in their warfare, actually one, and, and they bring it up in an earlier volume, is Briar Rose or Sleeping Beauty. And, you know, when she is pricked, everyone around her goes to sleep. So they weaponize that.
1: And wait, wait, wait just let's just like- say when she pricks her finger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I am just don't want anyone to take that out of context. When she pricks her finger, everyone in the building goes to sleep, which is a very useful weapon if you want to kind of incapacitate everybody around you.
0: Yeah. And, and then obviously they bring a couple of MacGuffins out, like the witching cloak, which is yeah. like a cloak that can transport you everywhere. The sword uh, that makes a Snickersnack cut, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The Vorpal Blade,
1: but... Roman. The Vorpal Blade. I, the
0: Vorpal Blade from general. Believe Rocky. it or not. And while it might feel like a MacGuffin, just to spoil something, there's consequences that happen after the war with the adversary for using those weapons, and uh, and and they are they are consequences. It, it's I it's just the construction of the plot to go to war. The it, it's funny you like read these chapters, it, you want to kind of march through the plot, and you get these random ass detours about these two wooden soldiers. Why are we talking about these wooden soldiers in Chepito's mm. army? You know the the comp all of the like diplomacy that has to go into working with the Arabic fables. It's um, all of these things are kind of like pieces of the tapestry that come together with really great payoff later together. He's, he's kind of laying a lot of groundwork and it's just so much fun. It's just, it was just so much fun. I didn't have to think too hard, but at the same time there was so much payoff.
1: Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to the world building, right? He's kind of thinking about how these fables would react or could be applied in a warfare situation, how the personalities of these fables as you know as dictated from the stories that they that they came from how that they would clash in a political situation so yeah i really i really kind of admired the amount of creativity and thought that went into creating all of these different different conflicts i actually i was curious what did you think about the way the about about the the about the arabian nights which was the the seventh volume the first volume that we read for this for this episode i feel like i'm walking into a trap with no the no, no i'm well, sorry i don't mean to i don't mean it like that okay <laughs> like let me just put it on the table i was just curious because so like this is something that i was just thinking about last week and i didn't bring it up but it's a very very eurocentric you know and actually who was it Perez, who was on on the on on the uh, sandman
0: I know it's baroon but yeah baroon, we were talking sorry. about how uh, this world this view of magic and fantasy is written by a bunch of white european right, right, men. Right.
1: And that became very evident to me with the Arabian Nights element and also it being a published very close after 9/11 as well as Big B's he's he's very much an israelite. He actually has that speech about Israel. Oh there I mean there's a the whole speech about Israel. Well, right. I mean I don't, I, don't, Arab- I don't mean it as a criticism. It's just sort of like it felt definitely like a very post 9/11 right after 9/11 book when it wasn't
0: it was i mean i'm looking at the published date it was 2006 so that's kind we of it though that's it's fresh pre obama pre obama we're in the war on terror right you're in we the middle of the Iraq. war on terror.
1: exactly well and, and that's
0: that's man shit because this is when the war is happening a couple of interesting things there's there's a big debate about values and the keeping of slaves and the treatment of women as so what one thing they they hit the nail on the head where this is these are very eurocentric fables these are brothers Grimm's mother goose kind of fairy tales uh, so where are the fables from the rest of the world and they talk about it in the ad once you start to meet the adversary and they're like well we've only conquered the european fable right. worlds we haven't gotten to the asian worlds or that we're and the reason the the Arabian fables or the Arabic fables kind of come in is because finally the adversaries' people are starting to hunt them down in the in the homelands, and so they are starting to escape to modern day Baghdad, etc. Um, so the introduction of them, plot wise, makes sense, right? Uh, it does, why it's been yeah. so Eurocentric. But then the, the and and then you actually do see the the conflict between the West and the Middle East and these cultural norms. And I don't want to say the discussion was nuanced, but it did try to get it to the subtleties of the argument. our way of life, your way of life, how can we accept each other? You know, because Prince Charming, who's now the mayor of Fabletown, just he won't compromise. On accepting their point of view and their worldview. he views the jinn as bringing a weapon of mass destruction,
1: which I right? think is actually was I, which I thought was a pretty cool plot point. Right? It's like when they're like, "Oh, they brought a jinn." It's like, "Oh fuck!" Now, how do we deal with this? Which I yeah, thought, they br- a, and, and they great... even say it's like bringing a suitcase. Yeah. Luke. How dare yeah. they? Yeah. Which I thought was, I actually thought that was pretty freaking awesome the way they handled it. I, you know, I, I'm conflicted here, right? It's not like you know, because from a narrative standpoint, it makes sense. It creates some moments of great dramatic. Tension. It's not like everybody's point of view needs, to, you know, it's not like everybody has to be like the center character. But at the same time, I was also kind of reading this, and maybe it was also like juxtaposed with Big B's I love Israel speech.
0: Well, it's not I love Israel. What he's saying is, and it's, it's worth mm. this, a little bit of investigation, he is saying is, let me tell you about the. He's actually, he goes back, he. He, in a very badass episode, not unlike Munich, right, the movie, he infiltrates the homelands, he infiltrates Geppetto, because now they have the intel that Geppetto is the adversary, and because they had kidnapped Pinocchio, and it's not quite a rescue mission. It's a, in fact, he doesn't rescue him, it's an infiltration. The first time he sneaks in, using the magic beans, he... Kind of captures. It's the second time because a boy blue does it first and gets on the intel, but he gives Geppetto the Israel speech because he says the fables, we are Israel and you, the adversary, you're the surrounding nations of Israel who want to kill us and we will do anything it takes to survive. And I'm not. I gotta. Ah, oh man. It it's an interesting speech and it's an interesting analogy that he makes. I will leave it at that.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, like, I mean, you said, I mean, you know what? I mean, we're going to, we're going to get very, very political very soon here. I, I'm just thinking like within the context of that speech, within the context of the way the Arabian Nights episode was played, where the, 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 I mean, the, the Arabian... But hang on, the, the Israel much...
0: overtures aren't made to the Arabian Nights. No, no,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. talking about how it kind of, re- but it kind of comes afterwards, right? You have this whole volume where the Arabian fairy tales are kind of treated as these other, as this other right these this sort of like i don't know it kind of feels like a very and maybe it a very kind of as i mentioned earlier a very eurocentric view into the arabian tales they are the other they are kind of weird and foreign and you know maybe you know they are but you know again that kind of harkens back to the point to the fact that this is very much a very a very Eurocentric point of view, and it's you know, and again, the whole book is sort we'll of that's our most comics. That's our true. most popular
0: comics that we read, minus like the manga and stuff that we read, right? But I mean, most of the most
1: what... of the, most of the most of the comics that we, we we read don't deal with this. you know. I mean, of course, I... Chester Chester, you know, Chester Brown is going to be Euro Eurocent well American centric. It takes place in Ohio. It's about people in Ohio, you know. This is where you're trying to have, you know, this, you're, you're introducing these Arabian fairy tales and they're kind of treated in this strange sort of, well, but
0: it's, it's, it's Western creators for a Western audience telling the story of them. And here's, what's interesting. And I don't know if this is depicted well, but at the end of all these conflicts and these stories that we tell, they team up, right? They sign a treaty between them. They become basically fabletown Middle East and they combine the technologies like that. It's another cool thing. It's kind of funny and comical. So Prince Charming and Sinbad or yeah, Prince Charming and Sinbad team up. They build a magical airship, which is basically a European boat with magic carpets lining the hull so it can fly. And they take it into the cloud kingdom and they wreak havoc on the adversary. They start wrecking the gates, their travel and their communications. And, and, and throughout the whole thing, you see the two of them, like, buttering each other up with compliments all the way, even to the to the bitter end where they're debating who gets who gets to sacrifice themselves, right? So it's kind of like can't we all just get along yeah. and look at what we can accomplish
1: when we work together. Okay, here's what bothered me. It's what bothered me is that the characterization of them was strictly kind of based off of stereotypes. There's they they they're they're misogynistic, check they they have slaves, check what is Sinbad's character? Well, doesn't he kind of arrogant? You know, he's just sort of like a rich douchebag. Okay, check. And then he's got sort of like this vizier who's basically Jafar. But aren't but hang on, aren't
0: all the fables cultural stereotypes?
1: Not in fables. All- I mean, they start off that way, but he definitely, I mean, are you going to say like Prince Charming doesn't have he starts off being kind of a subnoxious douchebag? and what actually no. He, I mean, the whole point of this, this hang, hang on, but but hang on, no, hang, no, no, on no. hang on,
0: hang just, on, just, just to play plot for a second. The modern fables, the, the main protagonists of our comic, have been out of the homelands for hundreds of years. Yes, so they started as their stereotype, and it took a hundred years in the mundane world to change. The Arabian, Well, fables wait a minute, emer- hang on, they um, mm-hmm. hang on, the Arabian fables emerge pretty much straight out of the stories. Wait, into wait, wait, the modern world. So, you're
1: saying that in this universe. You don't have a character. You don't have a personality until you emerge from the fables, what until I'm you emerge is, into the real world. Is that so what so? I don't think that's no. been established. That that's what I'm saying is. I mean, you the, look at Hansel. Sto- the, he was an asshole the, from the, word go.
0: No, the the story arc. Sure. So the story arc of the fable from the fairy tale was either misinterpreted, or they they were that character, then. And they were kind of living their life, you know, continuing a few years after. Then the adversary starts taking over. All the fables are on the run. Probably a hundred years of crazy-ass shit. And then they escape to the modern world. So basically, from the moment the story where you read Hansel and Gretel, or the Big Bad Wolf, or Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, this is 400 years later in their character, give or take. With the Arabian Nights characters, I, d- I mean, I don't know how time works, but like, they're coming out of like fairy tale Baghdad into real world Baghdad yesterday.
1: I don't, so buy maybe they are close. I think maybe because... they're closer
0: to their stereotypes. No? I, no,
1: I, but that, I mean, then, then you need to establish that. Then Willingham needs to establish that or hint at that. Like, like the whole concept that you only become like a, a three dimensional human type of character instead of an art. That's not what I said. That's Once not, you... that's
0: not what I said. So that's what I'm saying is they're, they are effectively their story uh, they are humans in their story just like console was a real asshole despite what the story said and then he grew up right like
1: console was an asshole for, as a kid he was enjoying watching the witch burn he's like
0: i want to watch this shit that's, what, that's was- what i'm saying but the, but but the story the story that we all he- have all heard make him the hero and what willingham supposes is he was an asshole all along and a hundred years later he becomes like a zealot right
1: I mean, well, so, you, you see that kind of starting pretty much as he, when he's a child. Okay, I don't know what Ge- to say Geppetto. That. I mean, <laughs> Geppetto. You know, I mean, what about him? He started to kind of consolidate power while he was. I'm gonna, going I'm to I'm win your
0: argument for you. I'm actually going to win your argument for you. The Arabian fables are probably a lot older than the European fables, so they should be more developed.
1: <sighs> I don't know, man. I
0: don't. Uh, most of the, no. most of the fables from the Arabian world are a lot older, uh, and from the Asian world are a lot older. I don't think there's a,
1: uh, I don't think there's a narrative explanation for this. I think. I think it's right. basically like this is. You know, he 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 had a fully developed idea of like who is Prince Charming, who who does he turn into, what is Snow White like? Okay, she's she's a kind of a hard ass administrator. What is Bigby like? Okay, I like I don't think he had that concept when he was kind of creating the arabian fairy tales i think the concept was hey they're the arabian fairy tales i hear they're kind of weird no one knows how to deal with them go you know so that's (laughs) that's kind of my pushback with the way he handled the the arabian fairy tales is that they were built on stereotypes and yes fables are fun the the characters and fables are fundamentally archetypes but within this context within this comic the whole comic is about subverting those archetypes or showing the depth you know that that you don't normally see. and he didn't do that with the with the Arabian fairy tales.
0: That's all that's fair and 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 to your credit, they're a plot point at best, yeah, right they're right. they're they're used for their technology or their oil, so to speak. yeah uh, and I'm not gonna lie. They kind of don't play a big role further on. <laughs> Like after the war, so Sinbad's kind of around for a volume, and then you know they they find a way to get rid of him. So yeah, it remains very Western centric. Yeah. with our fables.
1: And then the other, <laughs> the other thing I had a problem with the Fro- the Frog Prince episode, the Good Prince. So this is actually this I really like this conceptually because in this episode, so the Frog Prince is the janitor, kind of a loser type of character. Well, you know what he kind of I, when I, every time we would talk, I would hear you know Shaggy from Scooby Doo. I'd hear oh well, he's boy. drawn like Shaggy. Yeah, yeah, he's drawn like Shaggy. And he's kind of like this sort of pathetic slacker type, just completely, But probably mostly because of his trauma. And then The Good Prince is where he basically teams up with Lancelot and, you know, he kind of realizes that he's more than what he seems to be. And I was actually really, I liked it conceptually because it's such a 180 from what he actually has shown in the past. But at the same time, it seems like s- he seems like such a generic hero at that point. Like the kind of quirky, shaggy, kind of stonerish character. I would have liked to have seen that character put into the context of like an Arthurian hero. How does that v- character sort of function? What are the, his quirks that he brings? And what was disappointing to me is that he just sort of becomes almost sort of like a very generic well, you a know,
0: Lancelot clone. A Lancelot clone. Super Noble always and does like, the right thing, yeah.
1: But but what if he were shaggy? You know, what if he still retained some of those characteristics that made him so distinct? You, you It was just disappointing to me that, that that got just washed out of him. And so it's like one of those things where conceptually I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. But in Execution, it was just like, oh, man, you really watered him down in a way that... I mean, it's great that he's a hero, yay, but he's just no longer the the endearing character that he was when we first met him and that was disappointing to me also anyway i'm bitching
0: <laughs> this would have been a boring episode if we were just like frothing at the mouth about it i i still enjoyed the ride because there's there's a lot of things going on and they all seem seem to somehow work together and all come together it, it's it's almost like very meticulously put together kind of every side plot and every side story that is yeah. explored so i'm fine with it man and i'm like i said i'm still reading it like we read to volume 11 i'm on like volume 15 or 16 my goal is to finish the whole run soon cuz it's not disappointing it's just a fun place to be because there are stakes you know, there's no reset button with these characters. And no, there are, you're good. right. There are
1: real stakes involved. And, and, you know, you know when characters, I was going to say when characters die, they die in real life, but that's not, not really true considering, you know, what happens in the Frog Prince episode. But still, you know, there are stakes here. You know, there is, well, there what, is a semi-permanent what's interesting about, death. What, what's interesting about the
0: Frog Prince episode is all of the characters that, they're dead characters, so to speak, they're, they're characters that were dumped down the wishing well. They weren't killed, so to speak. So, well, I, I take that back because Bluebeard was executed
1: by. Shere Khan was shot up also. Reserve. And then, yeah, and, then I mean. and then, Gretel was like bludgeoned to death by Hansel. That's a yeah, that's, that's how that fairy tale ends.
0: Well, without ruining anything, there are in the following volumes there are some like pretty major characters who do die, and I don't think they come back. Like, yeah, it, it casts kind of a pretty wide shadow over future volumes
1: that's always a thing um, i I mentioned this before like what does it mean when a fable dies like gretel dies she's pretty famous what does it mean like to her story when she dies? i don't know it's a that was do they ever address that well i mean
0: i'm i'm not finished yet but it's the the thing about the the characters from haven are they're ghosts they don't have corporeal form they only have corporeal form in haven not even in the homelands in this place that is powered by a flycatcher's kind of new powers, they can exist. If they step outside of those bounds, they, they lose their form.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they're effectively still dead. They're, they're ghost people, but who are given a second shot at life.
1: I have a question, actually. This is a continuity, or maybe maybe a world-building question. Sure. Hansel and Gretel, they are look to be in their 20s, right? they kind of stopped aging when they're in their 20s because they're not kids anymore. Pinocchio is still stuck as a boy, despite, you know, being turned into flesh and blood.
0: Why well, he, so is
1: that? Why didn't TJ age until 20 and then just... Well, I mean, no,
0: but I, that, 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 that's why he has, he's actually, like, really pissed off, because what happened was everyone else kind of grows up and kind of just starts aging slower, right? So, But with Pinocchio, when the Blue Fairy took the wooden puppet and made him into a boy she transformed him into a boy permanently and Pinocchio mm-hmm. obviously has that's a true. lot of issues with that so that's yeah. kind of how they explain that one so and he's he's really pissed off about it and that can that that plot line really carries through because it's if you have watch the Umbrella Academy one of the major characters he's like a 50 year old man who who drinks and fucks etc but he's in the body of like a 13 year old boy um And that's kind of what Pinocchio is.
1: That's true. (laughs) And the Blue Fairy does have a weird sense of humor, or at least she did until, you know, she got victimized by Geppetto. But what are you going to do? Well, so, I mean, I know I'm
0: continuing to read this, Ryan, but I guess I just, how did it feel the second time around, getting to the end? Or the end of the adversary war?
1: You know, I, I, I still kind of enjoyed it. Probably not as much as initially, because the initial, there's always that sort of, those surprises, right? That was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, Hansel, you're a, you're a, a- Heart of the Salem witch trials, of course you were because you're an asshole. You know, that stuff is like really really surprising. The the revelation of Geppetto as the adversary was really surprising right, to The me.
0: first time around, right.
1: And you know, and without those surprises I do kind of appreciate sort of the world building stuff. You know, the other thing is I am, I am, but you know it, it doesn't really have that same impact that it did initially. And then of course now reading it in 2022 versus like in 2010 or whenever when I first read it, my perspective has definitely changed. I wasn't bothered at all by the Arabian Nights stuff when I first read it it just seemed like a cool use of those fairy tales, and now it sort of sticks out to me that they are just sort of vehicles for the plot and the Eurocentricity of of, of fables is something that I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely noting. So, you know, I I, I still enjoyed it. I still recommend it, but I, I guess I just didn't have the it just didn't have the the, the sort of earth shattering impact. That it had when I I first read it in my in my 20s. Yeah, that's fair.
0: I mean, I something something I've been discovering on this podcast in general is. I think you really do need to read or consume a piece of work in the moment it was made, you can. Yeah, when you read it past that moment, you can still admire the craft for what it is. But its perspective is frozen in time when our perspective as the reader has changed.
1: Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about this in terms of like the Marvel stuff as well, mm-hmm. because like the way Marvel comics had an impact on me when I was 13 and I'm reading certain stories for the first time, like. Sp- you know i i I, onslaught you know the first time that oh my god they've obliterated the entire marvel universe civil war when i read it for the first time i mean i was older but it was just like holy shit captain america and iron man are fucking killing each other and then they kind of redo those stories right you know onslaught is actually a redo of dark phoenix it's just a different Mm -hmm. character and suddenly and then you see those stories kind of redone you know 10 years later and they don't have the same impact because you've been there, you've done that, you've seen it. But at the same time, you know, you kind of read those stories hoping that it's going to create that same impact. Like you're going to read it and be like, oh man, it makes me feel exactly the way I felt when I first read this when I was 20 or when I was 13 or whatever. And it's never going to make you feel that way because you're older and you're a little bit more jaded and you've seen this shit before. But that's okay. You just need to find kind of something something new and something different. And I kind of feel like fables falls into that to an extent, like as interesting and well-crafted as parts of it are, it just doesn't have that same impact. That's, you know, I I look at the way the Bigby and Snow White are interacting and courting each other. And it feels like the way teenagers would court each other, not the way like centuries old fables would, you know, would, would theoretically court each other. And that's probably just a product of me just being, being older.
0: I don't know. I what I would say. I there is some truth to that, but what I I, I think there's kind of two other things at work. I because I think a late thirties, early forty year old who read fables when it first came out might have still, they, there might be a little bit of jadedness to it because maybe you know not the target audience, but I think the moment, not just the moment in time that it hits, but the the moment in culture that it hits because your point about onslaught being kind of a a retool of the same conversation over and over again is is accurate but i think they were attempting something different are are some of the relationships overly simplistic absolutely cartoony yeah. not not in a not in a diminishing way just these are these while these are three dimensional characters they aren't fully fully realized cuz you don't have time to fully do that while we're building the world and doing the things so you kind of do have to take shortcuts but the first time you read it it's fine and I think because this level of storytelling this approach these gimmicks had not never been approached and used before it was unique back then yeah Um, and I I think that's you know it's funny I was the other night my wife went to bed early and I had some time to catch up on say a new tv show listen to a podcast read an article or read another volume of fables when it might have been volume 13 or 14 and I did choose to read fables because it's just like One, we've been kind of on this kick reading, reading the volumes over the last few weeks, so it's been an enjoyable binge, a slow binge. But with everything on TV, I've I've been thinking a lot about this. Like every story is being told every which way at very high Mm -hmm. levels of quality, with lots of money being thrown at it, and there's just too much. If that makes sense, I
1: wouldn't say. I mean, I would say they're being very slickly told, but I also feel like there's a lot of, it's sort of like a lot of. it's, it's it's less about the stories and more about, I feel, and I'm talking specifically about the pop culture stuff. I mean, yeah. it's more about like the fan service and.
0: Oh, no, but here's what's interesting. Well, one moment in time, like I just, without getting into why I love the show Andor and why I think it's one of the best shows of the year, period, never mind best Star Wars in a few years of shitty Star Wars, I just completed Andor, which is kind of not exactly like watching The Wire, but I remember. When I've watched really amazing television shows or read really amazing books, it kind of ruins the medium for me for a little bit because everything else just isn't as good. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the show I wanted, I've been wanting to watch is For All Mankind, this alternate universe space race story. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure there's a million reasons I would enjoy it, just like there's a million reasons people would enjoy fables. But I'm just so fucking tired. of just. There's too much of everything right now, and that's how I know I'm feeling old
1: yeah no, I, no I, just, I, the same way. I don't i don't think it's just necessary i think there literally is too much of everything right now i mean we're in the kind of golden age of content but the golden age of content is sort of like oh i don't know the golden age of cocaine right it's just you know well, like a, like if, if the sopranos the came time. out
0: today never never mind the moment in time and the commentary and if it was dated or not no matter how special the sopranos or the wire is if it came out today in this glut that we're living in it's just it would, one of a thousand things yeah it'd
1: be buried it'd be buried um, yeah, and I definitely yeah no I I hear you I definitely hear you on that.
0: Well, Ryan, I think that actually sets up my last question. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah man, what are we reading or talking about next week? Next week we're going to actually rec- welcome back a uh, friend of the pod, Paresh. and we're going to go over all of the pop cultural milestones that were streaming or premiering in theater, or sometimes both at the same time and we're going to talk about whether we like them or not or at least you and paresh are i'm just going to moderate because i didn't see shit over the past year really so you're uh, too busy reading comic books because i'm too busy reading comic books and hopefully it works out or it might be a disaster who knows
0: mm, this, this entire podcast
1: is a disaster Brian. that's why you don't get 65 dollars cpm running and that's our show.
0: Like what you heard, be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. At qtdcomics at gmail.com. We give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel,
1: And I am and have always been Ryan Joe.